Hello, you're listening to Sarah McCoy, and this is Session 2A of the Genesis Podcast. I've been a Bible teacher at Owasso First Assembly in Owasso, Oklahoma for over 40 years, and I love the way God's Word shows itself practical to today, time after time. Today's theme is the fall of humanity. Chapter 3, Now the Serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. What kind of a story is this where serpents speak and have conversations? Verse 4, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Interesting that there are three different aspects to this temptation for her. We just read that she saw that it was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. To give this context, let's look at a scripture in 1 John 2 that talks about three types of temptations. You would think that this serpent, who we know to be Satan as his identity is revealed, this creature of great intelligence would pick something very strong to entice this woman away. 1 John 2, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So notice with me here that she saw that whatever fruit from this tree that it was, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, was good for food. This is the desire of the flesh. And so we can think of a lot of other things like that that would fall into this category. If you go to a party and you get rip-roaring drunk, way overindulge, and we know from scripture that drunkenness is a sin. That's a desire of the flesh. You take something and you take it too far. And so she's looking at this fruit, whatever it was. You know, traditionally we think of it as an apple, but that's not in scripture. So you think of this fruit and you think of her thinking, I'm really hungry, and that is so appealing, it's so beautiful, it's perfect. I would love to take a bite out of that. I bet it tastes great. 
So that's the desire of the flesh. People get caught up in the desires of the flesh in sexual temptations or in temptations to gluttony or when they fall into drug abuse. It's even a desire of the flesh if you get into the habit of sleeping way too much and you're not able to take care of your family because you're just so lazy that you won't work, that's a desire of the flesh. The second thing though about this is that it was a delight to the eyes. In other words, there was something about that beautiful fruit that she didn't just want to eat it, she wanted to have it, she wanted to own it. It's funny, I have a little grandson who's not even two years old yet, and he knows that when he comes to grandma and grandpa's house, he gets M&Ms. And even M&Ms with their coating, you know, can end up on their hands. And so we started weeks and weeks ago, months ago actually, offering them to him in a cup. And so he knows where the cup drawer is, and we have these plastic hideaway pizza cups that are easy for him and deep enough that they don't spill out very easy. And so he loves to go to the drawer and get the cup because he wants his M&Ms in the cup. Well, we found it so interesting because it goes beyond just, if I get the cup, I know they'll give me some and I wanna eat some chocolate. He doesn't just want to eat the candy, he wants to have it and carry it around. And it was so funny the other day because it was right before dinner and he was only gonna get one. But he insisted, even though we were just gonna hand it to him, nope, I wanna get the cup and I wanna put it in the cup and I wanna carry it around because there's an aspect to actually possessing it. Well, when you take that too far, then you have the covetousness the lust of the eyes, as it's called in the old scripture, uh, where, where people just want to have it. I would like to have that car or that house or that property or that designer purse or those fancy shoes, or I would like to go on that nice vacation just because I wanna be able to say it belongs to me, it's mine. That is a temptation, it is a type of lust, the lust of the eyes. And so when Eve was thinking about this enticement from Satan, it wasn't just put that in my stomach, yum, that would be good. It was, I'd like to hold that and walk around with it and think, yep, this is mine. And then we see that it was also a temptation to the pride of life because what he said to her about how if you do this, you'll be like God and you'll know the difference between good and evil. And she thinks, yeah, well, I'd like to be able to say I'm like God. And isn't that the very sin that we find out in other passages of Scripture caused Satan to be uh, thrown down from heaven? this make one wise, we're all tempted to subtle forms of arrogance at times. We wanna be the best, we wanna, even if it's just a mental thing, compete with a person next to us and think that we really came out ahead of them in some way. We wanna know more or be able to say that, well, we're just a little better in some way than someone else. And that leads to all kinds of things, even really, the sin of racism that we hear so much about these days, 
has to do with the pride of life. Well, really, I'm better than that one over there. Let's keep going. Genesis 3, 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened after they actually took and partook of this, and they knew that they were naked. What does two people alone in the world that are married not having clothes on have anything to do in the world with having partaken of this fruit that they were asked not to. Oh, it's shame. This is the birth of shame. This is the birth of I did something wrong and I feel embarrassed and I need to cover it up. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths, woefully inadequate, but something, anything, help me find anything. Let's look around here. What can I see? What can I find to cover myself up? I feel so ashamed. I'm so embarrassed. So Isaiah 64, 6 says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. So all of the leaves that they tried to sew together and put over them like an apron of sorts were inadequate. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. So we go on and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Doesn't that make sense? Doesn't shame and wanting to cover up also come with it wanting to hide? Whenever you see someone on the news that was arrested for some scandal and the cameras are on them and they're coming out of the courthouse or be, they're being led to the jail, what do they usually do? Do they hold their head up high and smile and wave to the camera? Or do they take their jacket and try to shield their face a little bit? Shame. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Now, do you think that the Lord was calling where are you because he lost them and he was hoping they would answer and maybe if he heard the sound, it would give him a little bit of a clue about which way to go to try to find them? Or do you think that the all-knowing God who is outside of time might have been asking a rhetorical question, where are you? Where have you fallen to? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Psalm 139, seven through 10 says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol or hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So there was no way to get away from the Lord who was asking, where are you? God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman. Well, she... The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. And did you get the subtle blaming of God too? The woman, the one you gave me, it was her fault. And you're the one that gave her to me. 
passing the buck, classic. She gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. And then the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent. More passing the buck. The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Well, sin has consequences. And here we go with the classic curses on each of the three participants. The Lord starts with Satan. The Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Well, that's kind of an interesting way considering all the other references to people and descendants in the Bible, to refer to a child as the offspring of the woman? You've read all the genealogies in Scripture. If a woman even does appear in the genealogy, it's in passing. It's the man begat this person, and the man begat this person, and the man begat this person. How unusual to talk about some person that's going to be coming and refer to that person as the offspring of the woman. Her offspring. He shall bruise your head. Wow, that's a lethal blow, isn't it? If you get shot in the arm, well, you might recover. You get shot in the leg, could be okay. Get shot in the side, mm, you could be okay. Get shot right in the head, Ugh, sorry, probably curtains for you. So this seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent. That's the first prophecy in scripture telling us about the coming Messiah. And you shall bruise his heel. And so you are going to be able to do damage to this offspring of the woman and cause him a problem. But wouldn't you much rather be bruised in the heel than in the head? And so what's going to happen to Satan as a result of this enmity between him and the woman's offspring is, is going to be a fatal blow. But what happens to the seed of the woman will be a temporary pain and grief that can be overcome. Okay, now it's the woman's turn. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. It's very interesting that some of the other primates in the world, including chimpanzees and uh, other great apes, don't have the trouble with childbearing that human beings do. Our DNA is very much like theirs, but the childbearing part is very difficult because of the size of the head of babies. And you know that left to their own devices without medical care, especially in third world countries, women often end up dying in childbirth and having prolonged labors that 
cause the death of the child without access to cesarean section. They develop fistulas and all kinds of awful things. And in first world countries, most of the time when a woman has a baby, she elects for pain medications because it's very difficult. Now this desire, your desire will be for your husband. So it's not like he's gonna be your enemy and you wish you could get away from him and you don't want to be married and you don't want to make families. You're still gonna wanna get married, but he will rule over you. And haven't we seen this for thousands of years, the subjugation of women. And even today in this enlightened time, we still have to go around with this rallying cry, rights for women. And we see places where women are not entitled to education. Women are not entitled to property rights. The things that a woman has to say in court don't hold up like the things that a man might say. Women may not have opportunities for advancement in the workplace. It has been that way since time immemorial. And if it's still that way, some in the United States in this age of enlightenment and progress, imagine what it has been in the thousands of years since that curse. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Oh, you mean Satan was lying when he said, you shall not surely die? Yeah, this body that you're inhabiting, it's not going to last now. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. In other words, he's saying to the provider, it's going to get a lot more difficult for you to take care of your family. And in prosperous America, even, that's easy for us to understand in this day of increased unemployment because of COVID and the things that have happened with the pandemic. But it is hard to make a living. Even when Tom and I took the trip to Nicaragua, when the church was getting the clinic started, we saw what it can be like for people trying to make a living, even in the rainforest where it doesn't get cold and you can live in a shack without too much difficulty, it was not easy. They had very little to wear, only enough to eat, no access to education or medical care. Oh, they were living on maybe a couple of dollars a day. And they would spend their days in back-breaking labor, harvesting coffee out on these coffee plantations. And the men would come in for medical treatment for all kinds of injuries that they had suffered, you know, bone and muscle injuries from being out there with a sickle, you know, like it was 2000 years ago when they're trying to harvest. In fact, world poverty statistics tell us that two thirds of the world, even today, is living on less than $10 a day. And 10% of the world is living on about $2 a day. And so we see the fulfillment of this pronouncement of it's hard to go out and make a living for you and your family. 
The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins. Let's see, they had tried with their own efforts. They had very bright minds. They had tried on their own to make something to cover the shame. This realizing they were naked was symbolic for feeling shame for sin. Cover it, cover it. I'm so ashamed. How can I cover this? Let's sew some leaves together. Oh, then they draw back and they fade and they lose their water and they turn brown and they get crinkly. This isn't going to work. And so the Lord could have said, let me show you how to take flax and make linen cloth from it. Let me show you how to take cotton and make cotton thread from it. Let me show you how to take hemp and make a nice material from it from which you can sew clothes. But no, this is all symbolic. And so he takes garments of skins. He slays an animal. He slays the animal's and they shed their blood. You can't take an animal's skin without shedding its blood. And that's what covers their shame. And then the Lord said, behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. So there was a twisted truth to what the serpent said. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil, except how far they fell from being like God. But now they understand the difference between right and wrong. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. The tree of life, which was in this mysterious garden. Therefore, the Lord sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. The tree of life, we don't see it mentioned anywhere else in scripture until you get to the last chapter of the last book, and it comes back again. Revelation 22, verses 1 and 2. And then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, this is a vision that John had of heaven at the end of this prophetic book, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And this is an interesting concept that someone drew a long time ago. You can see that this tree of life is spanning this river and that it is symbolic for the cross, the tree from which Christ hung to shed his blood, to cover our shame, to deliver us from sin. What is the point then of this third chapter of Genesis so foundational to our understanding of Christian doctrine. First, that mankind sinned because he was tempted by Satan and made a choice. And that sin marred creation and brought death. And that God showed mercy, but that there were also consequences. So we see justice. The man and his wife did die. And they were 
sent away from the garden and their lives changed and brought curse, but also that he covered their shame with the skins. And he promised that one day the offspring of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please pass it along. 